Welcome to The Time Is Now. I am your host, Michael Stafford. It is Tuesday, May the 11th, and we are once again in Mental Health Awareness Month, so keep your mental straight, people. This week, is the playing games good or bad for the NBA? Who's the real MVP of the NBA? But first, Saunders versus Canelo. We got to talk about it. Got to talk about it. Got a great show this week. So sit back, relax, and I'll see you on the other side. All right, let's get it started. Let's talk about the fight this weekend. We had the fight between Canelo versus Billy Joe Saunders. Um, we spoke about it last week, and like I said, like I said, if I remember correctly, I said the fight was going to end in the eighth round. The fight was closely contested. Uh, Canelo was playing back a little bit. He was not trying to uh, push the action, doing trying to get one-hitter quitters like he was trying to knock him out early. So, as we thought, Billy Joe was going to try to outbox Canelo and hit him with some combinations. But at, after all, Canelo hit with those power shots, kept getting them, kept getting them. Then later on, started hitting with the uppercut, and the uppercut was able to <laughs> cut and swell up that eye. And he, the eye completely closed by the end of the eighth round, and where Billy Joe just threw in the towel, just threw it quits. Couldn't see out that eye, and if anything would have happened later, couldn't have more damage. So uh, I think it was a wise decision by him and his corner to go ahead and do that. So that's pretty much what happened there with Canelo this weekend. Pretty boring um, for the most part, and we just want him to fight someone else. I've seen people speak about the Charlo brothers, and um, I don't think that'd be a good contestant fight. Um, everybody talking about Bud, uh, Bud Crawford. That had to be at a catch weight. That probably will be entertaining fight, but that, that will have to be at a catch weight. So don't know how I feel about that in particular. So we have to wait and see about that. With baseball, who would have thunk it that the Red Sox would be number one and my Dodgers would be straddling over the fence a game over 500? Um, it's still early, but it, it's not looking too great. The bullpen starting to, not starting to, the bullpen flat out sucks. And um, even though they had a big game um, last week where they were up 14 to 1, end up winning 14 11, I mean, it's just ridiculous. You can't even hold leads. You, you, your batting's finally giving you something to, to, to win. Or something, something for you to 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 make it a little easier in the bullpen. You got still giving up another ten runs. Actually, gave up eleven runs in just two innings, four and seven, and believe it, that was in the uh, fifth and sixth. It's just crazy. So it's just it, it's, I've never seen any of this. Um, it's looking like the hype is over. Looking like they may not repeat, which is very tough to do in baseball anyway. But we were hoping because of the shortened season last year that that was just a precursor to what to happen this year, especially after adding Bauer to the mix so it's still a long season they, they still have like another 100 and what 40 130 120 games left in the season so we have to wait and see so that's what's happening there in baseball hockey nobody really cares outside of uh canada so moving right along let's speak about backlash the wwe backlash some people still watch wrestling uh, I try to from time to time like to keep up with the storylines. I'm just hoping some of my predictions I made about um, bringing the factions back. But who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Um, one of the main headliners is uh, the triple threat match on the WWE Championship match where Bobby Lashley, the almighty, is actually holding the title. I got to give it up for Raw because Bobby Lashley is a legit champion now that you have MVP speaking for him. 
the Bobby Lashley. That, that's a lot of thing with a lot of the African American um, champions over the years outside of the Rock. They they don't they don't really command the mic and not knowing what to say and not speaking well. I do like the Street Profits. We'll talk about them a little bit later. The tag team, the former tag team champions for SmackDown. They they um I forgot his name already. But the the main guy, the guy, the high fly act. He he really he can really work the mic. But for the most part, people like the talents like Bobby Lashley and the people in the hurt business can't do it. Scott McIntyre is doing great. So you have a triple threat match with Bobby Lashley defending his title against Braun Strowman who's a mountain of a man, um, and then um, Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre was, was pretty good as a champion, but it didn't last long. He'd been waiting for years and years to do that. I see that um, somehow Bobby Lashley finds a way to retain his title. Um, later on that evening, you have the Universal Championship. That's the champion from SmackDown defending the championship versus uh, who is Roman Reigns defending against Cesaro. Um, the storyline seems kind of weak. SmackDown's having a hard time finding a uh, good talent to contest with Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns having a hard time being the head of the table. And there's only two of them at the table, him and his and, and his lackey cousin. So um, I don't know. Hopefully his twin comes back with um, Jimmy and Jay. Right now you just have uh, Jay there, and he, all it, all it is is this. Every week, same thing. Jay Uso starts acting crazy, saying you you don't have this, and you can't beat us, and this and that and the other thing like that. Then a top rank fighter comes and beat the brakes off of him and uh, uh, um, Roman Reigns has nothing to protect him. All he does is then fight in the, in the card and beat whoever and then, oh no, and then Jimmy comes and helps him retain his title. Same thing for the past several months. It's quite boring. Moving right along, SmackDown Women's Champion is Bianca Belair, the new up-and-coming star. Going to face it against Bailey, who's been the, um, the record holder for the longest reigning uh, it's not Divas anymore, Women's Champion. And that's who Bailey's become. She went from being the lovable person who gives hugs with the blow-up dolls or whatever you want to call those things that you see waving in at the car dealerships. She was doing that. She had a record for over 380 days. And um, she thinks all of a sudden she can come in just be Bianca Belair, who is the EST of the WWE. I mean, she's the fastest, strongest, the baddest. You know, she, she's just really that talented. She's, she's like a better Naomi. I used to really love Naomi. Very, very talented. But... Uh, Bianca Belair is just a true stud, and I feel like Bianca Belair is going to retain that championship. Moving right, right along, and that's for SmackDown. Now we're going to Raw. The triple threat match, another triple threat match for Raw for the women's um, championship. You have someone named Rhea Ripley, and she came right in off of NXT, and I didn't like that. A lot of people didn't like that. You come right in from the smaller brand for the up-and-coming brand, the, the, the developmental league, if you will. You come right in and, and challenge Asuka and beat her at WrestleMania. So you go to the main event of WrestleMania after you're like your one night on Raw. It's ridiculous. Um, they should have a farm system, have people work up through the ranks like everyone else and let people fall more in love with the character, even though, you know, allegedly the, the lifers watch NXT, the, the casual fans don't. So for a lot of the casual fans, they're like, who is this? We have to go back and Google who in the hell she is. So to have her come up and now you have Asuka trying to get her title back, but she doesn't get it back. She can't go right in and get it back. She has to go now with Charlotte Flair. Who can come in and out whenever she pleases because she's wrestling royalty so we'll see what happens i pretty much see flair taking the title from that um this one is just sad um i've been following the mysterio family and just their whole storyline is to me it's tragic and to watch his son dominic wrestle it's awkward at best 
So with the SmackDown Tag Championships, you don't have the Street Profits in there getting it. You have um, what do you call uh, Rick Rude, not Rick Rick Rude's son, and um, Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler, now a tag team. Ziggler's always trying to be a tag team with someone, and now he has this one. They call themselves the Dirty Dogs, and his dog with a D A D A W G, just just cheesy. And you have the first. It'll be if if. Mysterio's win. It'll be the first time that you have a father and son duo winning the tag championships. And that's the storyline. Because right now, the Dirty Dogs are there just placeholders. They're just placeholders until they want to get a storyline, something that they think can fit. But it's just it's just tragic. Because I like the Alpha Academy. I like the Street Profits. I really like the Street Profits. They should still be the reigning champions. Um, and they might make the Mysterio's win it. And that'll be just sad. So that will happen. That's what they're looking to happen there. That's Backlash in a nutshell. So another thing that happened that was entertaining to me, and I'm still debating if I'm going to watch this pay-per-view on June 6th with Mayweather and Logan Paul. <laughs> so um, the other Paul brother who's been beating up a bunch of nobodies, knocking people out though, so it's respected, um, was confronting Mayweather and talking just trash. And then he, he's just like, I got your hat. And stole his hat. And it really pissed off Mayweather because you know why? He's over there looking like his father. Uh, Floyd Sr. <laughs> in his scissor cut hairline. <laughs> it was entertaining. I have to say, it was very entertaining. Very entertaining. So I was laughing. And um, to see that and see what happened and what became of that was quite interesting. Um, Okay, so I found that quite interesting to say the least. And um, when I saw it, all I did was laugh. And then it come to see the pictures later, I guess the security lumped them up pretty good. And it's gonna be quite interesting to see. Um, Logan Paul, what makes it interesting is because Logan's like twice the size of, of Floyd. But if anything we saw from WWE, which you shouldn't compare, but this is an exhibition as well. Um, Floyd, look it up, beat up the big show. <laughs> I think it was a WrestleMania as well. So Floyd can hold his own. I mean, I know he's little, but if, if any regular person off the street wanted to fight Floyd, they'll get lumped up too. And he may actually knock you out depending on the ounce size gloves that they have. Um, Logan Paul's in for a rude awakening. I think there's actually true bad blood because I feel like that um, Floyd feels as if they're disrespecting the sport. And so he's going to look to do some sort of retribution. I think he's going to look to make, um, uh, he's going to be looking to set the record straight, but also to 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 make uh, send a message to people who think they can walk into the boxing realm and just do it. And also too, it's a money grab. These guys right now are, have millions of followers and boxing has become mundane at best as we just saw this weekend. Boxing is not doing that great. With their cards, looking forward to some heavyweight cards with um, with uh, with Joseph and the Gypsy King. That's gonna be great. They're, gonna have, they're already set up for three matches, so we'll see what happens there later on this year. Um, and finally, we're gonna speak a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about Tim Tebow. We gotta talk about Tim Tebow making his return to the NFL, looking to sign to sign a one-year deal with Jacksonville under his old college coach, Urban Meyer. So, he's not coming back as a quarterback. Stephen A. used to always say, 
but he can't throw. And and people thought he was disrespecting him. And just the, the man should have never been a quarterback. And it kind of proves to how the college game really doesn't truly it's not indicative of what's going to happen in the pros. College football, even though now they're starting to, to merge the two worlds together more, you see more college playbooks play, used in the NFL, utilized. But at that time, Tebow, I believe, retired or has not played since 2015. So we're talking six years, not on the football field, not on the gridiron, out there um, doing great work uh, commentating for the college game. But you're going to come off the field for years and then just stumble back in as a tight end, a position you would never play, not in high school, not in college, and definitely not in the pros where they tried to transition them over. Now, this is the part that bothers me because many times you had um, other athletes, other players who they're asked to play other positions because of their athleticism and because their inability or so they thought inability to throw. Not too long ago, they wanted the young man out of the Baltimore. They were saying, oh, he should be a wide receiver. Why? Because he's fast and black. I mean, and so they asked Tebow to be a tight end just to stay in the league. They were begging him to do so, and he turned it down. He'd rather not. And why? Mr. Prayer Warrior himself, Mr. Uber Religious, they called him Christ on the field. Mr. I'm going to take a knee, but it's it's he's taking a knee for his praying. It's different. And it's not during the anthem. So it's different. But at the end of the day, it was his pride. And they say in, this, in Scripture, pride falls before all men. And pride is, is is not that it's a sin, but it's, it's not indicative of the Holy Spirit. And if he believes in all those different things, why couldn't he do it? And then also, furthermore, why come back now? And what, who, why are we giving him a bag of money to do something? He clearly, they already have five tight ends on the team, people. They have five. Now, of course, they're going to probably cut one or two, but they have five tight ends who've been working their butts off playing that position for years and Tebow just walks in here and just going to try to take it. I don't like it, but I don't care damn about the Jaguars. They're not going to do much of anything this year anyway. So that's that. I'll leave that there. So that's it for all of our headlines this week. What we're going to do next, take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk to the NBA as the season is wrapping up. This is the final week of the NBA season. And next week we have the playing game. So we're going to talk about that. You're listening to the time is now. This show is brought to you by Pure Diamond Auto. With Pure Diamond Auto, they take the dirt out of the car business and make it pure. Pure Diamond Auto has a team of former finance and sales managers who can guide you through all the tricks of the trade. Go to www.purediamondautola.com today and use promo code TIME for a free consultation. That's promo code TIME. That's purediamondautola.com. What can I say? I love PDA. All right. You know what time it is. It's my favorite part of the show. It's the happy birthday. So let's go. Got Coach 
George Carl turning 70, and Black China turning 33, and The Worm, Dennis Rodman turning 60, and Cam Newton is turning 32, and Mike Bibby, the player, is turning 43, and Mo Bamba turning 23, and the rapper Ace Hood turning 33, and Tony Parker's turning 39, and Karuchi Tran turning 33, and Ravishing Rick Rude's son, Bobby Rude, turning 44, and Danny Manning turning 55, and Mark Zuckerberg is turning 37, and Stevie Wonder is turning 71, and Matty Ice, Matt Ryan is turning 36, and may the force be with you. George Lucas is turning 77, and Pusha T turning 44 while he's grinding, and he's a smart guy. Taj Maury turning 35, and Clay Matthews turning 35 as well. And it's the Late Late Show with Stephen Colbert turning 57 and Ray Lewis turning 46. And I only want to be with you, Darius Rucker turning 55 and Emilio Estevez turning 59 and Emma Smith turning 52. And P.K. Subban, one of the very few African-American hockey players turning 32. And Cole Anthony, rookie sensation, turning 21. And Megan Fox turning 35 and Danny Trejo turning 77. And Miss Janet, if you nasty. Miss Jackson, if you nasty. Janet Jackson turning 55, and Bob Saget has a full house at 65. And my favorite, 007 Pierce Brosnan turning 68. And I want to escape, but Candy Burris is turning 45. We have some honorable mentions. Richie Valens, or I like to call him Ricardo Valenzuela, from the movie La Bamba, from the craves back then. He passed away in 1959. If you haven't seen La Bamba, go ahead and watch it. Great, great doc, great movie. He would have been 80 this week. And Catherine Hepburn passed away in 2003, would have been 114 this week. And finally, one of my favorite comedians of all time, George Carlin, who passed away in 2008, would have been 84 this week. But that's all of our birthdays this week, guys. Now, back to our show. Welcome back. Welcome back to The Time Is Now. Last week, I'm going to go over my NBA top picks where I've been not so great at picking them. I'm like 500 these days. But let's see what I did last week. Let's go. Last Tuesday, I had Brooklyn versus Milwaukee. I said Milwaukee was going to win at home, and I was right. Next, go to State versus New Orleans. I said New Orleans is going to win at home, and I was right. Got a little streak going on here. Let's see what we got. Next. Dallas versus Miami. I felt like Miami's going to win at home, but I was wrong. Dallas went ahead and took that W, people. Now, Wednesday, D.C. versus Milwaukee. I chose Milwaukee at home, and I was right. Next, New York versus Denver. I chose Denver at home, and once again, I was right. Now, finally, San Antonio versus Utah. I chose Utah at home. I was wrong. San Antonio, San Antonio took that W, people, so I was wrong there. Now, Thursday, Lakers versus the Clippers. Come on, man. I chose the Clippers, and I was right. Next, Brooklyn on the road versus Dallas. I chose Brooklyn, and I was wrong. Dallas took that W. Next, Friday, Lakers versus Portland. I chose the Lakers on the road in Portland, and I was wrong. I could have sworn I would beat those boys up. Dame always gives them a hard time. Dame steps up for the Lakers, except for the playoffs. <laughs> Anyways, New Orleans versus Philly. I chose Philly at home, and I was right. New Orleans... They need every game. They're trying to get in. Next, Denver versus Utah. I chose Utah at home, and I was right. Next, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Brooklyn versus Denver. Brooklyn on the road. I had a feeling in my spirit, and I was right. Brooklyn took that game. Next, San Antonio versus Portland. 
I chose San Antonio on the road because I felt like my Lakers really needed it, but I was wrong. Portland with that win at home. Next, Sunday, New York Knicks versus the Clippers. New York Sunday was the day, y'all. I chose New York on the road to beat the Clippers, and I was right. Clippers only get up for the Lakers. Next, Phoenix versus the Lakers. I chose Phoenix. Not only was I wrong, I was royally wrong. AD put on a show. I knew LeBron was not going to be back. I feel like they're still trying to go through their things, and I felt like Phoenix was going to put on a show at home to win that try to trying to lock in that first overall seed. We're going to talk more about seeding a little bit later in the show, but I was wrong. Lakers, 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 who were up one time by 23 points, beat Phoenix at home. What a game. What a game. Later that night, mm, mm, mm. we got to talk about this, y'all. Sorry I have my allergies. Miami versus Boston. Not only did I choose Boston at home, not only was I wrong, I was royally wrong. These boys gave up 79 points to the defending Easter Conference champions in the Miami Heat. I'm going to pause for a little bit. 79 points. The coach needs to be fired. He should have took that job at Indiana. Seven, I don't care who they was playing. I don't care if they're playing the damn Globetrotters. They gave up 79 at halftime. Halftime. Lakers just beat Utah. Was it Utah? No, I'm sorry. They just beat Denver a week ago, giving them a total of 89 points where your quote-unquote MVP lies in, in Jokic. They gave them 89 points with no eight, no LeBron. Just AD and them boys. AD hobbling back. They had 89 the whole game. These brothers gave up 79 at halftime. Lord have mercy. Of course, they ended up losing that game. And I was wrong. Now, Monday. Monday was interesting. Monday. <laughs> so many things occurred on Monday. Let's just get to the game, shall we? DC versus Atlanta. In this game, Russ broke the record for the most triple doubles of all times. Russell Westbrook in that game, what did he do? He ended up with two triple doubles from all 30 teams. Only person in history has ever done that. Two triple, At least two triple doubles from every team in the league. He has 10 triple doubles against the Pacers alone. This man only had eight triple doubles in his first six seasons in the league. Now he has 182. You can't make this stuff up. Russ, Russell Westbrook deserves to have his flowers now. He Hands down. This man putting up triple doubles with 20 plus assists. And his turnovers are down. And in the clutch in that game, as they were coming back, Russ had a chance to finish the game with a three-pointer lay. They put up 45 points in the fourth quarter to try and win it to no avail. Missed the three-pointer late. The go-ahead three to win the game, it was short, which is indicative he's not a great shooter. I feel like he should take it to the basket or, put, or, or passed it. He finished the game with 28 points, 13 rebounds, and 21 assists. This guy's not human, people. Give him his, that's, Call him Goatbrook. He's the GOAT of getting triple doubles. I picked D.C., and I was wrong. Next, New Orleans versus Memphis. Even though I knew New Orleans needed this game, Memphis got their number. I chose Memphis at home, and I was right. Memphis went ahead and clinched a play-in game. Finally, Utah versus Golden State. I chose Utah on the road because I felt like they're going to get back to foreign being number one team. Golden State, being the hungrier team, took that, and I was wrong. That was an epic game. Now, as I speak about, as I spoke about, I should say, how Boston, what they did, 
what they did on Sunday, it was equivalent to this tanking Rockets, as they gave up exactly 79 points in the first half to the Trailblazers last night, and 50 of that was in the first quarter alone. I think that was a record. Got 79 points in the first half as well. But they only end up winning the game by 11 points. How do you score 79 points at half? That's because you're giving up 66 as well. Nobody's playing defense anymore. This league is ridiculous. And you know what? That's not even the biggest deficit. That's not even the biggest story. Just last night, the team that I picked to win the East, the Milwaukee Bucks, supposed to be a good defensive team when you have uh, Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez and, and Giannis, guys who can play a little defense. And what do they do? These jokers give up 87 points in the first half to the Spurs, a playing team. They're actually not even locked to be in a playing game. They're a 10th seed right now in the West, and they're still battling <laughs> to the wire. And they scored 87 points in the first half. That's the Popovich teams don't even usually score like that. It's just insane what's happening in the NBA right now. No one's playing defense. You think right now, this time of the season, everyone should be playing hardcore defense. But to no avail, that's not what's happening right now. That is not what's happening right now. It's just been, who knows? Oh, to wrap it up, what am I, what was my record this past week? 10 and 9. 10 right, 9 wrong. I suck, people. I am embarrassed. So, what's going on with the plan? What is going on with the plan? Right now, as it stands in the Eastern Conference, the seventh seed is the Boston Celtics, and they have about four games left. Charlotte with the eighth, Indiana with the ninth, and the Wizards with the tenth. Right now, only Chicago has a chance. He's the only, only one's left to try to win and get in. Mathematically, they're not out, but they're only three and a half out of from Washington with four games left. So pretty much the next time Chicago loses, they're done. Chicago has to win out to try and get in to either take 10th or 9th, really the 10th. So we have to wait and see. Chicago could win out. They could lose. They have some tough games coming up. They're actually on a three-game winning streak. We'll have to wait and see. Chicago's getting hot at the right time. They have two All-Stars. Let's see what happens. Boston is the biggest disappointment of the season right now. They're not completely – they could still make the top six with only being two games back of Miami. But I don't see it happening. Miami's playing very well, and Boston's on the skid right now. Miami's won seven of the last ten. Boston's going the other direction. It looks like Boston will most likely hold on to the seventh spot, but it doesn't make a difference at this point because whoever wins between seventh and eighth gets the seventh spot. So right now, only Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee hold those top three spots. It looks like they're locked in there. They're pretty safe at those top three. But you can still have some movement and Phillies three games ahead of Brooklyn. And I swore Brooklyn was going to take and finish the season with the number one overall seed in the East. But who knows? They're probably trying to avoid New York Knicks in the second round. Hear me out for a second. They beat the Knicks. I think they swept the Knicks this year. But the Knicks don't back down. And that that hype is real. And Julius Randle's coming. And Derrick Rose is turning it on at the right time. I wouldn't want to see the Knicks in the second round. But I don't feel like the Knicks want to see Philly in the second round. Philly is probably the one team 
in the East. Well, I'm sorry. The other team in the East that could give them fits will be Miami. We'll get to them in a little bit. But Philly is a team no one wants to see. I still feel like Brooklyn, I'm sorry, I still feel like Milwaukee could win the East altogether. But it's going to be tough. Because right now, if you look at the standings, let's say everything stays as is. As you have one Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, fourth of the Knicks, Atlanta, fifth. Which that could flip-flop, but that doesn't matter. Fourth and fifth plays each other. And then Miami, who's right there. They're only a game out of fourth. But let's just say it stays as is. Boston at seven, Charlotte at eight, Indiana at nine, and the Wizards at ten. For the play-in games, to see who locks in seventh and eighth, it'll be Boston versus Charlotte. I would not be surprised if Charlotte takes that seventh seed and, and takes Boston. So now Boston to pay for the eighth seed against the winners of Indiana and, and Washington. Washington's going to be Indiana. Flat out. Not even going to say Washington will be Indiana. And then Washington will be playing either Celtics or Charlotte. I'll say they'll be playing the Celtics because Melo's back and they play very well. But they did lose their high flyer. So who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But you have Washington, I'll say, playing Boston for that eighth seed. I will not be surprised if the Wizards beat Boston. So let's say the way I have it, I have Charlotte 7 and the Wizards 8, which would be great for the playing. It will give so much... Ooh, so much, so much to talk about with the Wizards rushing back from being at the cellar to now being the eighth seed because of the play-in situation. So now, it's set. Philly versus Washington, which would be a great matchup. And then you have Charlotte versus the Nets. Nothing's going to happen there. The most intriguing series would be Milwaukee versus Miami, as Miami beat Milwaukee last season to go to the Eastern Conference Final. That's going to be epic. Miami's not the team to mess with right now. I feel like Milwaukee needs to go ahead and get out of that third seed. I think that's very dangerous because I think Miami, if Miami stays in sixth, they may upset whoever they face in that first round, whether it's Milwaukee or Brooklyn. So if Milwaukee's smart, they will move up as, as Brooklyn's not playing too well right now, but they say Harden's coming back soon. He should be back this week as allegedly, and he needs to come back because if they end up in the third seed, Brooklyn might lose in the first round to the Miami Heat. You heard it here. I can see that happening quite easily. Um, the second round, we don't know, but I feel like that the Heat are the ones to watch out for for the big upset in the East in the first round as they're in the sixth. If they're in the if they run into fifth or fourth, there's nothing to talk about. But to take out one of those top three seeds, whoever finished sixth might be dangerous. If the New York Knicks finish sixth and the Nets finish third. I think the, the Knicks can upset the Nets as well. So I feel like the Heat could be Milwaukee or Brooklyn. So you have to wait and see that one. That's going to be a fight. So stay tuned on that one. In the West, we have Utah 1. They have a game and a half over the Phoenix Suns. As the Suns, everybody's kind of straddling right now between 1 through 4. They're all 6 of the last 10 games. You have Denver comfortably at 4. All these teams have already clinched. Um, Clippers at at third, they're not really going to move. I don't feel like they're going to drop to fourth. Portland at six, Lakers at seven. Right now, looks like the Lakers, Golden State, and Memphis have all clinched the play-in. Even though there's some movement could happen, it's not going to happen. Lakers have pretty much clinched their game and a half out of six. They can still get that. I feel like the Lakers should not try to get six. Because if everything stays the way it is and looks like Clippers are comfortably there at third, near a game up of, uh, of the, the Nuggets, 
Yet the Lakers were six and played the Clippers in the first round as they're hobbling towards the playoffs and LeBron's trying to get his uh, strength together. I feel like they will lose to the Clippers in six in the first round. So the Clipper, the Lakers may want to stay there. And yes, they have to play Golden State for that series. But either way, either they lose to Golden State and lose the seven seed, they'll get the eight seed over Memphis and San Antonio. Period. Point blank. They'll be in the playoffs. And if the if it's if it's that way, it works out the best. Either if they win up seventh or eighth, I feel like the Lakers could be Phoenix or Utah. It's going to be upset Central. So it doesn't really matter if they get the seventh or eighth seed. It doesn't really matter. They'll be Phoenix or Utah. Obviously, Phoenix is a better matchup. I would not be surprised. The teams I feel like that could win. There's no point of talking about the Pelicans or Sacramento. They're not going to win. They're both three and a half. Well, the Pelicans are two and a half games out. And they have about four games. They have three games left. They lose one game and they're done. Same with Sacramento. So it's just they all have to win out. And San Antonio, the way you see how they're playing, putting up 84 points in the first half. Yeah, they're, they're looking like they're serious and ready. They're poised to come in. But I don't feel like San Antonio. San Antonio might actually beat Memphis for that next playing game. They have to face Golden State or the Lakers. I don't feel like San Antonio could beat the Lakers. They could beat Golden State, but it doesn't matter. I don't feel like San Antonio matches up well versus uh, the Jazz. And. I feel like the only team in the West who can actually beat the Lakers in the seven-game series are the Clippers, at least early. So if they face each other, if the Lakers stay at seven and the Clippers stay at third, they wouldn't face each other until the Western Conference Finals, which would be epic. So let's say everything stays that the way that it is. The Lakers take seventh and Golden State takes the eighth. Golden State will play Utah early. It'll be fun, but Utah will win. Phoenix will play Lakers. Lakers will beat them in five. If you just saw it, and that's with no LeBron. They'll beat them in five. Um, even though they're second seed, it doesn't matter. Lakers are only seven seed because of injuries and COVID. Now, Clippers will play Portland. Clippers probably sweep Portland. As much as their bad blood between Paul George and Dame Dalla, they might sweep them. We'll have to see. Clippers are so inconsistent, but I feel like they're on another level with Rondo, Cousins. Um, Ibaka should be back soon. A tomb. They're just. It's just too much. There, there's too much firepower happening there. And then you have Denver versus Dallas. That'd be great. You got Luca, and hopefully Chris Stapps is back. If Chris Stapps is back, it'd be different. But Denver, it could be great as well. Don't forget, back up. Utah is going to have Spider Mitchell back next week. So Utah is very dangerous, and they're actually the best three-point shooting team in the league, volume-wise. And the Clippers have the best three-point percentages in the league. So that's why I feel like that's key for those two teams. Um, I'll do the whole bracket for the West. I have that locked in. Utah will beat uh, Golden State. Lakers will beat Phoenix. Clippers will beat Portland easily. Denver, Denver, Dallas series will be the best series. Lakers will be the best upset, but it's not really an upset for people who actually pay attention. Um, Denver, Dallas will be a great series. They might go seven. But then whoever wins got to play Utah. I don't feel like either one of those teams could beat Utah. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Um, not Dallas and Denver without Jamal Murray can't be Utah. Can't see it at all. So, but it'll be helpful because you have Jokic pulling um, Gobert away from the paint. So they might have a fighter's chance. But after that, the winner of that will have to play the winner, uh, have to play the Clippers. Wait a minute. No. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Back that up again. Because one plays four or five. Yeah, so Utah Jazz will play the winner of Denver. So actually, Lakers and Clippers could meet each other. Then you have two seven. Yeah. So Lakers and Clippers will actually meet each other in the second round. 
and that'll be interesting. I think by then Lakers have their legs under them and we'll see what happens there. To finish up, got to speak on Chris Paul real quick. Chris Paul should be the MVP. Right now, he's 16-5-9. and nine. Jokic is 26-11-8 and 1.4. The records are 70.6. Let's look and see what um, Nash did. Nash did what he won. 2005 was 15-5, 3.3, and 11.5. Team was 75%. And Kobe was 36-5-5-2. Got to give it to him. So you got to give it to him. The, the, if, you, if you gave it to Nash over Kobe, you got to give it to Chris Paul over Jokic. That's my claim. They're doing better. They're playing winning basketball and Chris Paul's numbers are very similar, not the same, but very similar to that. And if they counted hockey assists, you really will see how Chris Paul is the true MVP of the league right now. He turned the team around from nothing to now. You got to look at it. I say you should look back even to what he did with OKC. OKC went from being the team they thought was going to be a lottery to the fourth team, fourth seed. Now they're in the cellar again. They're in a lottery. Suns last year were a lottery team. Now they're the top two team in the league. Chris Paul deserves that. People want to say he's Booker. No. Chris Paul's the one with the ball in his hands late, making all the decisions, getting all the clutch shots. Watch the games. Don't just look at the stat books. If 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 Nash won over Kobe, Chris Paul should win over Jokic. We're going to take another short break. You're listening to The Time Is Now. We do not own the rights to this music. Some for my godson Elijah and little girl named Corinne. Some say the black of the bed, the sweet of the juice. I say the dark of the flesh, and the deep of the roots. I give a holler to my sister's own welfare. If don't nobody else care And uh, I know they like to beat you down a lot And when you come around the block, brothers clown a lot But please don't cry, dry your eyes, never let up Forgive, but don't forget, girl, keep your head up And when he tells you you ain't nothing, don't believe him And if you can't learn to love you, you should leave him Cause sister, you don't need And I ain't trying to gash up, I just call him how I see you know what makes me unhappy? that When brothers make babies And leave a young mother to be a pastor And since we all came from a woman Got our name from a woman And I came from a woman I wonder why we take from our women Why we rape our women Do we hate our women? I think it's time to kill for our women Time to heal our women Be real to our women And if we don't, we'll have a race of babies That will hate the ladies That make the babies And since a man can't make one he has no right to tell a woman when and where to create one So will the real men get up? I know you're fed up, ladies But keep your head Give me your head up, Suddenly the kettle didn't see 
body lost his whole family It's gonna take the man in me to conquer this insanity It seems the rain will never let up I try to keep my head up And still keep from getting wetter You know it's funny when it rains it pours They got money for wars but can't feed the poor Said it ain't no hope for the youth And the truth is it ain't no hope for the future And then they wonder why we crazy I blame my mother for turning my brother into a crack baby We ain't meant to survive cause it's a setup But even though you're fed up You yeah. got to go By your lonesome, thank the Lord for my kids, even if nobody else wants them. Cause I think we can make it, in fact, I'm sure. And if you fall, stand tall and come back for more. Cause ain't nothing worse than when your son wants to know why his daddy don't love him no more. You can't complain, you was dealt this hell of a hand without a man feeling helpless. Because there's too many things for you to deal with, dying inside, but outside you're looking fierce. While the tears is rolling down your cheek, your daddy That was Keep Your Head Up by Tupac Shakur. Gone so soon. We miss you, Pac, every day. Passed way back in the mid-90s. Man, back when the East and West Coast had all that beef, man. But, you know, we got to move on. Life goes on. Um, but that was a great song. He was very uh, bipolar <laughs> uh, in, his, in, his, uh, in his music. You will have a song, Keep Your Head Up, and next thing you know, you got to hit him up. I mean, goodness, <laughs> but Tupac, rest in peace. And Afidi Shakur, also rest in peace, his mother. She was great as a Black Panther as well. What it is, what it is to be a Black person in America. And it seems like this is a topic, reoccurring theme. Um, I have to make a whole nother show just about this. Uh, but it, it continues because social media... Um, it's, it's a gift and a curse. It's, it's more devilish than it is good. There's so much ignorance and so much negativity that spews on there. And um, it comes down to a point to where with all these things in front of their faces, how can you not see that there is systemic, systemic racism? And the sheer fact that you have so many people who look a certain way, who continuously say that it does not exist, that it does not exist. To, to even the contrary, they will believe that not only does it not exist, that there's things in place that that favor minorities. They'll say stuff like um, um, affirmative action. Oh, look at that. You, how'd you get to college? They used to tell me, oh, you get here, are you on the, you're on the team? And you're on the basketball team. So the teachers would give me C's and without even looking at my papers. 
thinking I just wanted to pass it, make my grade for the team. Didn't even look. And I checked it because I had a student in the class one time in my English class in my freshman year. And we wrote virtually the same paper. I didn't copy off of them. They were asking for my help. <laughs> so I said, I, I did a test because I kept getting C's no matter what I did. I went I went to the, the, the um, they had a center at, at below one of the, in the, in the basements of one of the uh, buildings. And it was to help you write better, to, to help you with your, your writing. And I went to get all the top advice from upperclassmen. I had a paper that should have easily been at worst at A minus, at worst. And um, another student said, can I borrow it? And I was like, no, I don't want to get in trouble. They said, trust me, don't worry about it. And I said, okay, said, if anything happens, I'll, I'll fess up. I said, okay, cool. So this one, I noticed it. The teacher still gave me a C, like straight up, no minus. They used to get minuses and pluses back then. I'm old, just a C. And they used to get letter grades back then. That's how old I am. I think now they do numbers, but they gave me a C. And the same student got an A minus. Same, virtually the same paper, got an A minus, white student. And I didn't tell the teacher that, you know, we had the same paper. I said, but how do I keep getting C's? And I forgot the exact conversation, but pretty much uh, um, she made a comment about the team. Cause I was dressed in sweatsuits all the time because they were comfortable and I'm tall, 6'3". So she assumed I was a student athlete, didn't even look at my papers because I'm a black man on a predominantly white campus and I'm tall and I'm, you know, strong. I, I used to play sports, but you should not assume. You should give me grades based on my merit, based on my work, instead of assuming that I'm not like I'm not <laughs> intellectually inclined. <laughs> and not to say that's systemic racism it just lets you know that racism exists and prejudices do exist in our society and to go a little bit deeper into this because there's some there's a lot of people that are just more well versed and more educated than me go ahead and take a listen to this my view is that no republican should be allowed to deny the existence of systemic racism without first being asked to define systemic racism. And for those at home who want a refresher, it's defined quite well, quite aptly by the Cambridge Dictionary, sorry Oxford, as the policies and practices that exist throughout a whole society or organization and that result in and support a continued unfair advantage to some people and unfair or harmful treatment of others based on race. So the US doesn't fit that definition, really? This is a country in which black people continue to be underrepresented in elected positions at all levels. Just three black senators, including Tim Scott, out of 100, and just 11 black senators total in American history, out of almost 2,000. Zero black governors today and just four in all of American history. Only one black president out of 45. This is a country in which black people have higher unemployment rates, higher poverty rates, lower average incomes, and lower home ownership rates than white people, in which black people are more likely than white people to face discrimination in the workplace or have loan applications approved. A country in which the median white household has eight times the wealth of a median black household. A country in which black Americans are more likely than white Americans to be arrested. Once arrested, they are more likely to be convicted, and once convicted, they are more likely to face stiff sentences. A country in which black drivers are more likely to be stopped and searched than white drivers. In which black people are three times more likely than white people to be killed by the police. 
a country in which black people have been overrepresented on death rows, and the killers of black people are less likely to face the death penalty than people who kill white people. A country in which, even before the pandemic, black Americans were one and a half times as likely as white Americans to lack health insurance, and had a life expectancy three and a half years shorter than their white counterparts. A country in which last year, during the pandemic, black Americans were a third more likely to die from COVID-19 than white Americans. What do we call this, if not systemic racism, institutionalized discrimination and inequality? Now, that was Madir Hassan from MC, uh, MSNBC. And these are all factual stuff. It's not things that are made up. You can easily Google this information. It's all there in front of you, but you choose not to see it. You choose not to understand or believe it. And the reason why people keep pushing for this because it is the, 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 the idea of America. It is the idea of this trying to be utopian place where people could come for a better life, for a chance at a better life. But you could truly never get there until you bow down to the king or bow down to the master. And everyone else is systemically set up to fail. And it's not really just everyone because pe people could come from other countries. People say like, okay, well, like my, for me, for instance, my parents, are, I'm first generation. Parents are from West Africa. Even people in other countries are to believe that the black and brown, really the black people here are inferior and that they're lazy and, 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 and that they just keep killing each other, whatever, not understanding that it's systemically set up. Not till we're here for an entire generation can we actually see it. Because when the nation looks at us, they don't see someone from Africa. They see another nigga. And then you get treated as such. You get to see that. But back into the point of foreigners, they come over here and they're able to build something. Because they're not here built under the systemic racism that was there before them to put them in the position that they're in. They're coming from higher education. It's another thing. The education here in the United States, it's subpar. If you pay attention, ask your friends who come from either some places in Asia or somewhere overseas, whereas Europe, Africa, or Asia, they come to this country and guess what? They're put in a higher grade. So let's just let's just back it up. Say, for instance, they are 13 years old and they come, from, come to this country. You are most likely, even back in my day, now they have something called TK. That's a whole nother thing to where my daughter's seven, but she's in the first grade. Back when I was growing up, I was in the second grade. Even more things that held our held our children back. Let's just back it up though. Back in our day, back in the 80s, if you were 13, you're usually in the seventh grade, right? I have family and friends who came from Asia and Africa who were in the 10th grade or even the 11th grade because the education overseas is better. But why is that? How could it be this greatest country in the world? But when you go to the doctor's office, if they even have a saying, if you're a doctor, is white <laughs> then you might not have the best doctor because in in the eyes of the world is that you didn't become a doctor by being the top of your class because the, all the best doctors are asian or indian which is indians are from asia but you know what i mean that that's usually who the best doctors are why is that because in this country they don't want you to know they're producing a bunch of workers and criminals who are also workers working for free. Remember the 13th Amendment. They also don't want to teach you the truth about the history of this nation. Because by knowing your history, and it's not just black people, everyone, by knowing your history, 
then you can know how far we need to go. By knowing where you travel, you can then know the journey ahead. But if you continue to go on this endless loop of these fallacies of your history, we are doomed to repeat it. My father used to tell me, learn from the mistakes of others for you will not live long enough to correct your own. So until we know our history and, and the way that it is, then you would truly not know how to make this the country that it was meant to be. And yes, I know it was made for by white men. It was it was made to be successful by white men. But we're, we, if we change that and make it to where it's successful for all, where people of all colors and 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 uh, religious backgrounds and sexes can get equal opportunity to be great, as we see it in our sports, and we see how people always in a position of power all look the same. When you have people in those board meetings making decisions for different commercials and you're like, how did you miss this? This is totally sexist. This is totally racist. This is totally <laughs> because they're, they're, you're not conscious of the things you're doing because you're using things for one scope. This can never truly be the country's meant out to be until we focus on the things that are important. And our education system is one of them. My parents come to this country. Those who come to this country seeking the American dream are true patriots. And the fact that they believe in something, the idea of what the greatness of this country could be, they sit here and pull themselves up on their bootstraps, as you like to say, attain the education, work hard to get their kids through school, work hard to, 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 to own land from the bottom to nothing. A lot of these people in one generation can build almost can build generational wealth within two generations. Many of my brothers, my Hispanic brothers and sisters are able to build generational wealth with very little advantages, putting their kids through the public school system, but using the ideals they learned, the hard work and ethics they learned back from where they came from, where the people, the indigenous people here, the, the, the people who have descended from slaves have things set up against them from the jump. You have to acknowledge it. You have to know that it's there and you have to do better as a people if you truly truly want this to be the nation of the free until next time mm -hmm. well that's it this week guys really appreciate all my faithful listeners i've rocked with me for over a year now wow we're past the year and we're almost done with season two going into season three real soon so thank you guys all for rocking with me remember to like share and of course subscribe and if you can please leave a rating and a comment so we can know how to better fix or improve this show really appreciate all you guys for all you've done oh you can also leave a comment or request that can be played on the show at a later time you have a 60 second limit on that so go ahead and click on the link in the bio you should be able to find that feature if you cannot just go ahead and send me a message okay all right appreciate all you guys now it's time for our final word who has stirred up one from the east calling him in righteousness to his services he hands nations over to him and subdues kings before him. He turns them to dust with his sword, to wind-blown shaft with his bow. He pursues them and moves on unscathed by a path his feet have not traveled before. Who has done this and carried it through, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, with the first of them, with the last, 
I am he. Isaiah 41, 2 through 4. Remember to spread love, share love, embrace love, for God is love. Until next time, peace.